If I should leave you Try to remember The good times Hello and you are listening to Vox Populi Gallery's podcast Vox Populi Gallery's podcast Sorry if you're one of the tens of people tuning in regularly. I haven't uploaded in a while. Uh, We misplaced the recorder at the gallery. I have an art show up right now and a whole bunch of other excuses, but I aim to get back into the swing of things. I am motivated. So uh, a little bit more info for our first time listeners. Vox Populi Gallery is a collective run gallery space in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We first opened our doors in 1988 in the old city neighborhood of Philadelphia. Today we are in Chinatown at 319 North 11th Street. So if you're in the neighborhood, stop by. Gallery hours are 12 to 6 p.m. Wednesday through Sunday. This podcast series aims to record many of the discussions which take place at the gallery from gallery talks, lectures, and interviews. At Vox, we have four separate gallery spaces, often having four separate solo exhibitions featuring artists from our membership, Philadelphia, as well as artists from across the U.S. and internationally. The podcast you're about to listen to today is from one of our gallery talks. With each exhibition cycle, we host a gallery talk and invite a guest speaker to moderate the discussion with the artists in the exhibit, or it's organized directly with the exhibiting artists. The gallery talk is typically held at the last weekend of the exhibition. If you're interested in catching us in real time and joining the conversation, please check our website, boxpopuligallery.org, for more details. This gallery talk features Beth Heinley, Jay Mullen, Will Hogary, and Maria Dunlow, all uh, artist members of Box Populi. I'm trying to get gallery talks up with artists related to the next upcoming gallery talk of our current exhibitions, which are with uh, Beth Heinley, Aaron Murray, Gabriel Voice, and Jess Fan, who is a guest artist. Uh, that this gallery talk will be uh, moderated by Ulysses Bookshop, uh, the curators G. Wesley and Ricky Yanis. This will be held on uh, Sunday, June 25th at 3 p.m. And the recording uh, gallery talk that you're about to listen to was moderated by Anthony Elms, chief curator at the Philadelphia uh, Institute of Contemporary Art. So enjoy. And if you're listening to us in the studio, happy art making. And so, and if I can't 
you can't hear me, throw something in my head, or speak loudly or something, just to make sure we can go. Um, so should we start with Miss Maria? Set definitions for things. I always want to know what's up 
inside that definition? Hmm. Well, it's certainly not everything. It's a it's okay. just a snapshot of uh, the everyday uh, objects. Um, I'm not clear what the question is. So um, I guess. Well, okay, so there's a source of them are the image are from actual yeah. objects at home, and I took uh, most of these. Some of them are actually photographs, but most of them are from also also from online. So they're not the real objects; they're representation of the objects that represent things that I use in life or my family's life. So having that as um, just the, the index and the catalog of it takes it, uh, removes it again from the actual everyday. And it couldn't fit everything, obviously, and it was just impossible to, uh, like, time-wise as well as, like, logistically to get the exact everything that we use. Um, there, it's not really mathematical um, mm -hmm. that I do this, so it's it's an estimate of things. Estimate? Yes. Like, I probably had more cider than that, <laughs> for example. Oh, but so, like, you kept it to items that you have a connection to. It's not pointing to an aspiration. It's like, it's, it's internal. It's, it's internal. Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. So, circles. Yes. And then the other ones are more, I don't want to say abstract, but more. Like, this has a groundedness, an image, like, it's grounded in, like, an image, like, I can identify these things, I go through them, it's like scrolls past, you know. This is more imagistic and that's more, you sort of have to catch them. You just catch them. Mm -hmm. But they both spiral around. Mm -hmm. um, this is a two channel. Mm -hmm. That's one piece, that's one piece. Mm -hmm. So then that becomes the most abstract, at least for me. Mm -hmm. um, is that a definite tone shift? Um, I think that's uh, probably... I don't want to say arbitrary, I think that just, just the way it became. Um, I did, uh, I guess this is the part where um, there's the mythological transformation that I, I, I created based on, um, and if there was such a thing as transformation like this, uh, I based the patterns on nature and um, so there is a natural, I guess there's abstraction there and there's a also representations of nature there, so I took those uh, patterns and made the paths out of that. Um, and that one is, is uh, yeah, it's abstract, it's fleeting, but it's also... Um, it's more organic. It is, because it's imitating uh, like birds or murmurations of birds or flock of fish, but, um, they're, um, but I use uh, blue pills. So it is still representational, yeah. just like this is. Um, but it's taking a more, I guess the, the gesture of it might be abstract. I'm not, I'm not sure well, the, what the, part of it is abstract. Well, the reading of it. Oh, okay. like, And the, the movement feels, this feels very systematic. Both of these feel systematic in the movement, right? like the way that the parts play off. That seems more, I mean, like, there's different mathematical ways of sort of modeling, say, like, flights of birds, and, like, mm -hmm. you know, the way that clocks come together and go apart and disperse, mm -hmm. and so, so like, different sorts of forms of clouds. Like, that feels like it's trying to appeal to something that's less mathematically systematic mm -hmm. than both of these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe because it, it is actually, like, if you don't know what it is, you might actually mistake it as a... Oh, you have to buy it, Mark! Yeah. to this space, like as soon as I um, found out which space I was going to work with, um, I wanted to do the, the two channel. So, um, like I had, they were all separate, of course, they were all separate ideas that I didn't even think had anything to do with each other. Mm -hmm. um, and it just came together that, okay, I wanted to do something with us shooting my consumables off to space and never seeing them again, or not living with them and not have to depend on them. But, look completely different actually than this and and then I I wanted to play okay if I shoot it into space what is what am I trying to do or what am I trying to say so I wanted to think about the different mythology of what happens to objects and things um, to the energy that gets transformed or waste that transforms so it became a, a, a two-channel um, the other ones, I, I guess um, how it came together is, I don't even know if I'm answering, the, am I going the right the way that, that you want to ask? Well, if, I, if I'm going the right... Okay, so just the whole idea of that, and I was thinking a lot about uh, Terrence McKenna and how he was um, uh, talking a lot about uh, people's feeling lost and looking for the answer for something and you know find, trying to find spiritual connection to things and doing that through by having habits or consuming or I don't know having a addiction and when the answers are actually in the natural in plants or it exists and it's there and it's been tried and tested by historical shamans or something. And so I thought about like the um, the altering of um, realities and how that is constantly happening. It's just part of our life. Just as much as I am part of the culture of consuming, and I'm part. I'm just that is like part of my drug. You know, I take a coffee. I drink coffee in the morning, and uh, I, I eat to nourish myself. 
um, the pills become that becomes that uh, that imitation of uh, transformation of one state of being to another, uh, whether it's uh, alcohol or uh, painkiller or uh, I don't know for anxiety or to you know acid, whatever else you want to think of to change the you know it could be anything as little as uh, pain reliever Percocet or whatever. Percocet. <laughs> Nothing small about Percocet. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's pretty, like I never saw this as jettisoning things off into space. And, like, mm -hmm. and I remember, like, I like to always sort of read about shows and then before I see, not necessarily before I see, but at a distance from mm -hmm. seeing the show and then returning again. And so. Mm -hmm. My first experience with this had nothing to do with waste because it's the, the pace, the speed, the, the way, like it actually just seems to be sort of like washing around, washing over, like it seems too uh, antiseptic maybe mm -hmm. to be waste to me, and it doesn't seem lost in a void, it actually just seems to be mm -hmm. not lulling, but mm -hmm. swimming along. Yeah. With us, well, I us guess, swimming along with it, like it doesn't. Right. And I guess I feel like waste usually, at least for me, brings some sort of uh, anxiety with it. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe I, because I don't use a lot of these objects, I don't feel a lot of anxiety. Yeah. I just sort of like love, happy to sort of watch them sort of unfold. And they don't seem to collect. And I guess I think of waste as always collecting, not mm -hmm. circulating mm -hmm. in this sort of openness. So. Yeah, I guess that's just one way of say of, uh, yeah. um, I mean, getting sending it to a vacuum or living with it. I guess it's more like it. I live with these things. I, I don't necessarily like. I'm not necessarily done with these things. They, I'm just in that. I'm part of this. I'm swimming with this as right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I wanted to. Um pick up on something Anthony just said, because I also sort of stopped when you mentioned this was jettisoning in the sense of, of um, expelling these objects into space, shooting them into the sun. Because my first experience being in here was to really wonder about the psychic, psychic space and orbits that, that these kinds of objects um, have for us. And they're so bright and shiny and new, especially here. All those green peppers are whole. They're not the discards. So... And, and even, yeah, and the car that's about to tumble through um, and pick the table, they're more like the scale and, and force that they, that they are, we, are we orbiting them or are they orbiting us? And it's really the question that I'm, as I sit in this observatory that you've created, mm -hmm. and that's the way I begin to, to encounter them as mm -hmm. objects of fascination and of wonder mm -hmm. and new constellations and new fortune telling based on these constellations you've given us. And they have agency of their own. Regardless of what I want to do with them, they are powerful and move in ways that are, um, uh, are wholly about their own desires. And I thought, that I like that sitting in the middle of that feeling, because it wasn't the middle of a maelstrom or of, a, of a, an aggressive, 
of an attack. It was much, much more luxuriant. Maybe ironically, maybe you're telling me not to luxuriate in this, but that my, that's my first sort of physical feeling is you're, you're inviting me to luxuriate yeah. in this well, kind of observatory. Well, I think an important thing is that when I, well, for me, um, is that when I created the index and I realized um, there's a certain, I realized how much shit, you know, I use. And, and how it is a, a, an awareness or a consciousness. There's something about it that doing that and seeing it, and it's like, holy crap, there's so much shit I produce or I use out that that's like confronting me. And that in itself is, uh, I'm, not really, I'm not really resolving anything or moving on to anything else, but it's just that, I think, getting to that place of just being aware of it is um, in itself part of the process. Um, yeah. So that grounds, I, I applaud the length of the loop too, and I don't know if I missed it, but I could keep waiting for the repeat. But the stream, just like, how long is can this okay? I think this one is 16. There's, oh. it yeah, it depends which day you come in. <laughs> oh yeah, there's just something about like the end. It's yeah. No, I think this one is 16 because I actually, if you were at the opening, that was a different version. Oh, okay. And I added more like that night. <laughs> when you remembered what you were using? When I, I figured out what I was going to wear at the opening. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, I knew you had switched it because I saw the dress in this one. <laughs> yeah. So with that aware, I mean, with that awareness, what? Uh, I don't know, it's like a, there's, it's, a, it's kind of a, it's not, well like I said, it's not really, it's not mathematical, precise at all, it's not yeah. scientific, but it was just like, oh, I have to have that dress on there because it would be so funny. But just because it's just, uh, and I knew I was going to wear these shoes too, so it's just, uh, it becomes this, it makes it funny for me, like it's my inside joke, I guess, to include that, but it's really not important what what makes the cut and what doesn't. Um, but if part of this was to be aware for yourself, I guess I'm curious like what the awareness has done or what the, at the other, at the end of the, not the end, but at this side of the piece. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, I, I have to also, yeah, I have to edit it in such a way that how much do I want to reveal? I mean, there's some personal stuff that I certainly didn't put in there, but, um, but I did put a lot of stuff that I was personal, but it's like, how much of this am I going to reveal about, um, you know, my life? Uh, so it, it becomes actually, Stephanie pointed out that it's a, it's a self-portrait when she, I was talking to her. And I, I never thought of it as that, but it is actually, a, it is a representation of what's in, you know, my house that we use, so. It's a representation that sort of hides mm -hmm. the person. Yeah, with that too. Yeah, but you know, and the thing is that there is something about like when I brought up consciousness, is that I, I, you know, there's a part of me that's like I'm accepting that this is part of my life. I wish I wasn't uh, attached to too many objects, especially things that I have like ethical issues with, like you know, mobile mobile phone, for example. Or anything, a lot of things that are like made by you know some enslaved child. Um, so there's like a lot of questioning of um, uh, how, what part of my life is going to be okay to reveal that I you know buy stuff that that's made by you know Palestinians in a 
slave camp, whatever it is, you know. So, um, and, and I put it there for me to just to face up to it and say, yeah, you do that. You're an asshole, but you know, whatever. <laughs> but I'm part of this uh, part of this culture. What am I going to do? What's part of me that's been? It's never not been part of the culture. Actually, it's never not been part of any culture since industrial times. Mm -hmm. So, oh. but I think oh. that I feel like there's something you were talking about humor, and there's something that's sort of yeah. like humorous about it that we haven't mm -hmm. talked about. You brought up funny, and I was like, finally, she said something about humor. But um, I think like it is kind of funny to see like vegetarian cooking for everyone, right? Which is this classic mm -hmm. vegetarian text, which is identified with like alternative lifestyles that are good living, you mm -hmm. know? And then you see something else flow through, like yeah, like a bra that was you know commercially bought and mm -hmm. produced. Um, and it's not like ha ha funny, but it is like just kind of like levity of the cause, like a cosmic levity. Like how much control do we actually have? And to pretend we have control over our lifestyles is a kind of folly, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I is don't it? know. We got a control <laughs> of our lifestyles. <laughs> well, I mean, like to to miss to sort of like um, talking about scale maybe is where humor comes in to like to put so much emphasis to make that the scale of that large is maybe the folly. Like to misunderstand the scale of that control. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's yeah. yeah. That was 20 minutes. If you want to wrap, or I, I don't know if we want to have a few more comments or questions. I have a question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't really talked about this law very much, and I would just love to know how this relates to that one. This also reminds me so much of an animated question of subway painting that I can't help but kind of put his agenda into this a little bit, and you're talking about the pills and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just want to hear a little bit more about this. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is uh, really fun to make for me, and uh, I did look at a lot of Tomaselli. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love his work. Um, just as much as I look at a lot of uh, Bridget Riley patterns. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I looked at a lot of uh, pop art stuff and just uh, made uh, something really fun. As a, as a solution to the mytho mythology of the transformation. Mm -hmm. um, and so this one was uh, just based on those patterns and trying to somehow take those and make something, uh, you know, that are actually from patterns I like was a really good process for me. Um, and the objects themselves, I did the similar process where I took uh, I took them from, they're, they're all stills, and I took them from, uh, from also from just image search and uh, animated them. And, and I had fun with like really tricking, like just to have a little bit of tricks in there. So I would have these patterns that look like they're, uh, they're just like dusts or something else, or like I had a, a bunch of bugs crawl, but I, they weren't moving, but then once in a while I would have one of them uh, just do a little scratch, <laughs> just to like really mess with some people who might have done something, and uh, having this fantasy that someone would be would be freaked out by it. Um, there was also one moment where it looked like the objects going into the vortex were coming out on the other side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's a line actually. It's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. So that's part of the, I guess, the myth of transformation.
one is butterflies and things that have this traditional connection mm -hmm. to cocooning coming out. Right. Again, yeah. short lifespan moving on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Plants, buds, mm -hmm. flowers. somewhere else. Mm -hmm. or you wouldn't have done this. You wouldn't have covered the wall. You wouldn't have... It's the brightest show that's up right now, right. by far. It's, you know, you want me somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking a lot about these spaces and how often it just feels like one show. So I wanted to delineate the space as, like, somewhere different, somewhere that didn't look like all the other galleries. Um, a space that I could affect completely in the way I wanted to, and like set it apart from a box show, being a box show. So it's not a box show? It is a box show. <laughs> I didn't want it to look like the ones that I see every time I come in here. Oh. <laughs> Did you let your members know that? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, that's the, the, I think that there's a lot to be said there in that. <laughs> You're part of a collective, you're all having shows all at the same time, but to be able to like make a show that's very much your own, I think okay. it's important. I think it's important to do that as an artist. As someone that's exhibiting your work, it's important to like make sure that it's exactly how you want it. Not just based on what's easiest. Well, a lot of people do that. I guess my assumption would be that most people assume that they're doing that through simply the objects. Right. And that the frame sort of built away, but here you definitely put the frame almost smaller, or stronger than all the objects. Because right. the frame sort of catches me as I come through, mm -hmm. and then I have to sort of attend to these things of minute color, tonal differences, right. and the sound. So, I don't think I've seen other shows of yours, mm -hmm. some other pieces. So, <laughs> like an installation, objects, like you're making the objects, you're setting up the objects, right. it's not enough, you have to sort of, you, you want the space to have its other, I mean, is the space internal to what you're working on yourself, or is it external because it's a public presentation of the piece, here at Vox, and setting itself against the other things? I think it started there, but it became internalized as I started making the work. Okay. Um, it became like, it became apparent that it, the space needed to be more colorful. And like more white, bright, minimal, like so that you're not thinking about 
um, like the color of the floor, as much as just kind of like in this space where these objects are meant to exist. I'm kind of thinking about the color of the floor a lot. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Um, just going to be, just going to let that sit there. Um, but, and also I wouldn't, I'm having a hard time connecting this to any sort of minimal, hmm. it's a little more maximal, I think. Okay. Between the light, between like the, I mean, even the subtleness of this, I mean, that looms large to me, the mm -hmm. more, like this couple times I've come to the show. Mm -hmm. You know, like it does that little flicker, right. and I can't turn away from it sort of thing. Like it's so like I wouldn't say, I mean, this isn't minimalism. No, no, me, no. Me, uh, I think I also definitely think an, an appeal. It might be a minimal, a toned down set of, on a palette or something. It's right. not minimal. Right. I don't think you're a minimalist. No. I'm suspecting even from your statement that you don't want that sort of minimalism. <laughs> just kind of go out on a limb. Yeah. I think I often make things thinking of that, and then when it's all together, it ends up being a lot more than I thought originally. Like, oh, this is actually, there's a lot of work in this show. So, yeah. Sure. And do you want this to be a gateway into the paintings? Uh, it wasn't originally shot to be that, but the scale definitely references the paintings. Um, I think that's one way into the work. But it doesn't have to necessarily be like a I was just curious. Yeah. Like it sort of it draws attention. Like the sound draws attention to it right. sometimes. There's a sort of white speck. Like the body is more marked than the ground it seems to be on, which is mm -hmm. something I would say at least definitely at these two. Right. Even though it's not a direct representation. Um, and why is the screen um, padded for like, sort of asylum? <laughs> uh, I was trying to get away from it being like a giant black TV screen. And just like have it disappear more into the space a little bit. <laughs> But it's also like overheating, oh. so I had to like put a fan underneath it. <laughs> so. Kind of. Huh, I'm intrigued. Every time you say something should disappear, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it's kind of doing the exact opposite. <laughs> you don't think that that would be more like apparent as like a giant screen, or or is it that it is is like you affected, can... and that's what the treatment uh, of it is treatment. so severe. The You've made a huge. Um, iPhone story type, like, I don't know, bumper room, right. like mental health, health <laughs> bed, um, container for this character who's obviously going through some issues. Um, it's a, it sort of gives a very dramatic tone to me occasionally. Like, I, I don't, you know, I mean, like, there's a, you've made, yes, you've hidden the actual apparatus of the frame of the TV screen, but you haven't hidden or you've accentuated right. its presence as an image producer mm -hmm. here. You know, I mean, like, there's a certain way in which, in a completely different way, like this video sort of calls forward because there's sort of a magicalness. Because I don't see the projector in here, like it's that I'm sort of much more aware of it as like a presence, as a thing, as mm -hmm. something that's sort of living, going on, that's affecting me as a plane that I'm walking through, as much as the curtain because of, well, yeah, I mean, it's like when you see like an illusionist, right? Mm -hmm. 
you're more aware of what they've done with their hands because you can't actually see what they've done with their hands when right. you didn't know what happened in the magic right. trick. Right, right. And so like even if you didn't see anything, your mind can't stop thinking about their hands and what it is they did. Yeah. So um, that seems to be something I play here. From like the walk the white I mean, you've almost made camouflage for the paintings, too, to try to make the paintings seem less than they are. I don't mean that in a bad way, but less. Everything washes together. Right. And I have to sort of pick them apart, except for maybe that object, which somehow is the thing that sticks out the most for me. It's like, it's like my height. It's kind of body surrogate. It's almost clothing. It's almost tires. It's almost adornment. It's a very different, but for me it feels really different. It's not more material present, or not material present, but material. Hmm. Material groundedness that becomes confused. Confuses more because of the way that it's not any of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm aware of like the, the, the fakeness of the, the pearls. So like I almost a crutch, almost a shoulder bone, almost a, whatever that bone is. Um, but, I don't know if it's Hawaiian fabric, but, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Is it time to ask the question or get a question done? Of course. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just want to hear what Will's thoughts on this is, so when I'm in a space like this, I, I can feel like it can be either like two sort of vibes, like, this all whiteness can make like this clean room effect, which for some people is like very safe and very uh, has like a comforting sort of like like the, the only space they can be like happy in. But then it also this like glaring sterilization can also make people very uncomfortable, right? And I'm wondering which of those two sort of like on that spectrum where for you specifically like what you made this space, like what, what environment were you thinking about? Or if you weren't thinking about either one of those. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I was thinking of it as like a clean space that allows more focus on like the, the pieces happening. And like more of a statement that way. More of a what? More of a statement towards that. Like If you could have like wrapped the whole thing in like perfect like white plastic <laughs> I think that would have gone more asylum. Right. Well, I think that would be scarier. But if Boston County was already white on white on white, would you have still covered it? No, no, no. If the floors were painted white and it had fluorescence on it. <laughs> Seems like I, I mean, like I kind of like I don't see this as sterile. No. Like I see this as like no. it, it enters into a space that. I mean, I don't know if, okay, if I did walk into this room and you hadn't done anything to the floor, you hadn't sort of, you know, uh, cloaked the, the door, sort of set it up, even if you hadn't hidden the TVs, I think I would not, there's something a little, not like sexualized in terms of about sex per se, but like I can't help but see this as like a material entering into some other sort of tactile experience mm -hmm. it becomes a little bodily and a little and so suddenly the paintings don't look as 
sort of e don't mean easy in a bad way, but like easy sort of geometric, like mm -hmm. subsumed into like an easy geometric abstraction to right. be read as that. Right. I suddenly am trying to see them as maybe like enlarged finger swipes, or I'm trying to maybe see them as something that comes forward from a little bit more making like this. I'm trying to, I'm suddenly trying to, I'm looking at the marks on the floor that are kind of not so dissimilar from the marks on the canvases. So there's a little more of me connecting it to bodies do right. than I probably would be without. So I don't see this as sterile or antiseptic at all. It's a very sort of, not dirty white, but it's, it's a charged white. Yeah. It's, it's a sweaty one. It's a <laughs> sweat's good. It was some of that science fiction language, though, right? With like something like 2001 and then also Andrew Kamari from Right. Mm -hmm. Can you repeat the first part? You, I mean, you're trying to tie in the science fiction imagery here. So, I mean, I think the white room for a lot of people evokes 2001. Right. Hmm. Yeah, but, and then, like, so some of these. Motifs are borrowed from Blade Runner, but that's like very opposite to this. Yeah. That whole whole movie. So it's very dark. Right. Dark and dirty and foggy and rainy. I'm trying to flip that a bit to like go the other way with it. I mean, going back to what you said about the fog, it seems like the whole the space and the pieces within it kind of operating against like one thing disguised with another. Actually, like I can't help but think about almost like think about this as a veil and think about how like those are actually images disguised as paintings like the room itself is like antiseptic but it's, it seems like it's or it's like it seems more like a kill room or something but it's actually disguised as like a hospital room like i don't know it's like uh yeah it seems like it, it it's kind of like tricking it, it seems like it's one thing, but it's actually another thing. Who are you excites me about this painting in particular is that because you've created um, Whereas it's not sterile, it does sterility is part of its vocabulary. Yeah. So the marks on that painting really are stains, and I'm thinking because they're bruisey, bruisey, pinky, bluey, purpley in relation to this in particular. I'm here with a human stain, and these two, it's kind of milky white excretions there do that for me. And you mentioned the dirtiness of the floor. The floor will become dirtier and dirtier. It doesn't really work for me with this painting, which has more of a, even a Stella-like procedural minimalist um, vocabulary in it. But I am struck by these two in relation to what you've put on the floor here as, you know, it's a Pollock-y kind of body on the floor thing. And the rivulets work that way too. So all this is, you did use the word clinical, and I think your version of the clinic is one Then it is the kill room that so we have we've come late to something. It's not been prepared, it's been used already. And I think that the paintings become begin to function within that some narrative art. But these have been ruined. 
because you can imagine what they would have been cleaner. Mm -hmm. And so they're meant now as repositories of residues of some action that maybe you may give us, in some sense, too literally here. But nonetheless, I, I, I think I can get with this sense of having walked into a space that's been used and now I'm a witness to an aftermath. And I don't know if that's what you meant by clinical, but that's what I'm beginning to read. It also feels words. kind of ritualistic. There's some kind of ritualistic nature. And will you talk about that talisman yeah, hanging there? <laughs> I wanted to know. Yeah. I, I'm unsure how I feel about that piece still. I mean, some of this work is new, and what's well, all new to this show, but. Um, is that your hair? Yeah, that's my hair. <laughs> Charm number two with the curtain is the title of that piece, so that's uh, the second charm that I've made as an art object. Um, and it seemed fitting as like a more severe way of dealing with that space. If there's a violence to it that I'm like attracted to as a this kind of weird charm motif, but like violent at the same time. Hmm. I think there's stuff I mean this is a such a violent violent. Let's see that it's violent. because I feel like, actually, I feel like a lot of science fiction just actually never seems the future. It actually seems even more presently here. And right. so, like, there's nothing futuristic about this space to me. It's very, not low budget in a bad way, but low budget. Right. Like, I'm in here. I'm definitely in a space. I'm definitely in an art show. Yeah. Definitely in a, like, a room that's been transformed. It hasn't dropped out of the skies. Right. Like, 2001 is supposed to I mean, look. I mean, like it, yeah. It doesn't. I'm definitely here. Right. I think you want me here. Yes. You want me elsewhere, right? No, no, definitely here. You want this to be different from there, but you want this to be here. Yeah. 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 So, um, and I think like this, I, th I mean, but I do think that there's theatrical moves. Like, I don't know if that would work. This, this is my favorite painting, but I think I sort of need the large architectural distraction of this. To make me miss that at first, mm. you know, like I need something sort of, so I'm sort of a little bit more attuned and look at more the awkwardness of just how close that projector is to the top of the canvas. Like I'm, 
always look at the corners of rooms. Right. Um, so I notice that immediately. Mm -hmm. So I sort of feel like that strikes me right back to the front. Shoots me, stops these from being the incident. Right. And makes that an incident. It pulls into the space. So I was really fond of this one, not at first, but it kind of grew on me. So I feel like in some way this is kind of like about gravity, like having a TV on the floor, other things that are kind of shifting, and this kind of gives us like a solid kind of plane to be in, whereas like everything else is kind of like tilted in a way, like even that piece over there kind of tilts in place where they're kind of freeing, kind of its own kind of gravity, it kind of like points you inwards, whereas this kind of flattens out with the space, and the other things kind of give a kind of gravity or hanging, or like it kind of like pulls you in different directions. So I think for this one, it gives it kind of like, kind of a, a silence or kind of like a, a way to kind of bounce off the rest of the room. 20 minutes, so. Can I respond? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's apparent, I mean, gra <laughs> gravity, that conversation is funny to me. It's, but yeah, I mean, yes, these pieces do have a gravity to them. Um, I wasn't specifically thinking of like that when making the pieces per se, but like obviously they are. Do we mean gravity white or gravity uh, emotion? Yeah. Are you talking about the movie? No, I never seen it. <laughs> uh, From sci-fi. What do you? I was just thinking about like, like where I'm being pulled, like visually or kind of like, see. like kind of like where I'm being shifted, like even going through this kind of like separateness space. Kind of like reinterpreting the space with these pieces, thinking about how these pieces are playing with the space. Like it's trying to separate the space and the pieces from each other, so kind of like where it's kind of turning you. Is that a question? No, Sorry, I really question. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. We gotta start with the clown. Okay, that says a lot about you. <laughs> particularly since I know, yeah. particularly since I know a lot about John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, you do? That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, that is a well. It's a replica. They weren't that expensive, you know. Yeah, I know, but like, I also they're like really easy to copy, so yeah. You know. Um, I also I don't want to like literally uh, support buying it, but. So, just yeah, just like yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm exploiting Jean Wayne Gacy, exploiting you know uh, people buying his paintings. So, but uh, yeah, so this is You're basically kind of exploiting Mike Kelly. Oh yes, yes, Gacy, yes. That's the painting that he. That is bought. that is the painting, and um, yeah, and I yeah, that's a good show about artists as criminals. And Whatever. Um, but so this painting I chose, uh, I wanted to have, I mean, this reading room is like an installation in itself um, that is in connection to the books that are here to be read. Um, and so, God, well, that thing is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> 
sorry. <laughs> no. You should have said that in the other one. <laughs> no, it made sense in there. Now it's like, um, no, so, <laughs> this distracted me. Um, Are you sure it's not the purpose of <laughs> That could be it, too. Um, no, so everything, everything's like in response to it, but, and also this is my personal, like, um, collection of books. Like, these are mine. This is stuff I like to read. Um, and another part of my reading that is not an artist book is I enjoy true crime novels. So um, there's a couple of murderbilia type of things in here. Like mm -hmm. the quilt across the room there is of Columbine High School. Yep. Um, and there is a book in the show of, called Columbine Library as well by Bunny Rogers. So there's that too. But also, I wanted the, so part of the installation room area here was to be like part nostalgia with the furniture because I do want people to sit down and you, you're spending time in here. So um, there's that. And the, the, the clown painting is like kind of like creepy, but it's also got like the, it's, I mean, he was a clown at children's birthdays yeah. parties. Um, Although he was, you know, also a pedophile and murderer, but um, that's really scary. And but so, but I'm also calling to the palette as much as I am to uh, what the painting evokes. It's also it's very like almost everyone knows it's the John Wayne Gacy portrait as well. So it's like this childlike palette, but at the same time, it's it's like kind of terrible and scary way. So and and the same thing like the stuffed animals that are here is kind of the same thing where like the palette is really all about the bright colors, the primary colors, but these are all promotional stuffed animals. So there's like this kind of subversive, creepy quality to that because they're selling you something. That thing is scary. So um Yeah, so there's that. <laughs> um and yeah. I don't want to keep on going. <laughs> I kind of like nostalgia. Yeah, like these are these are like kind of like a '90s nostalgia going on here, and there's definitely to some aesthetics of um, books in here that are are nostalgia calling to the '90s. So that was like one reason why I was like, oh, I need cheap furniture, but I want it to be you know more like feeling like adolescence. But then I also have these authors that are calling to 90s nostalgia, so that's why I said yeah. Wow. This was not my 90s. Well, <laughs> sorry. This was like my 90s dream, actually. Okay. I wasn't allowed to get these. <laughs> why not? Because, well, we have cats, so. <laughs> So what? Um, How much fun is this? <laughs> it's not bad. This is about the most talks that I get. This is all right. <laughs> you're, you're also, you have a Campbell's Soup Kid that you're sitting on. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. The Campbell's Soup Kid, too, a lot of my comics are like influenced by the way um, the Campbell's Soup Kids are. I don't want that. <laughs> that's a stomach. I, mean, yeah, I, I don't want that. That's, again, that's kind of creepy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're got we're see this is adolescence right here. We're in ADD mode because we're like playing with these yep. stuffed animals and we can't keep talking. Sorry. Where did the artist touch you? <laughs> That's like the second time someone said that to me. 
talking about this. People want to go there. Yeah. They totally do. It's, it's a trash can. He's taking his hat off. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we could talk a lot about the choice of like wanting to put forward all these other people's books and put. Oh, yeah. Um, to downplay yourself a little bit. Yeah, this is, well, because this is like curating, but this is like the mo this is an artist like yeah. solo exhibit sort of as well. Like, I'm inserting myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this is all about me guys. So, but, uh, no, this, the, because where my ideas come from and, and where, like what inspires me is, is so a part of, of this medium and this, these artists work and it enriches my life and I wanted to like share it. And I feel like it, that's, that's pretty much, I just wanted to, I really wanted to share it because it's so much a part of how I make my art. Conceptually. So, I mean, so is there sharing to these things? I mean, are these um, part of a sharing or are these well, a weirder sidebar? These are like, well, they're supposed to be kind of, kind of like art objects, but also just like I was trying to like with the promotional stuffed animal thing was like kind of just an underhand creepiness and to add a color. Also, they're like they function aesthetically to add a pop of color back here in the room. So like there's, I'm just trying to tie the room together. Um, so, so there's a part of that. And like also just to like inviting like playfulness and you know, that's pretty, did I answer your question? I think I did. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's like an aesthetic. Um, you can't have these stuffed animals, they're mine though. So. I don't want what? <laughs> okay. I'm perfectly okay. Okay. I've got my own problems. I That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so, I mean. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, do you have, I mean, I'm curious. Like, do you have favorite books? Or do you, because like, I know some of these books, some of them uh -huh. I don't. I've read some of them. Uh -huh. I've read. Um, I, from I, well, I happily enjoy going into a room where I don't have to talk to people because I can read. Yeah, so yeah. That's always a good thing. Me to too. Do. Um, so do you want you want to talk about uh, like favorite books that I have within here because they're all my favorite. Yeah. Um, so that's really tough, but they're all kind of aspects of like my self as an artist and what I'm into. So I draw comics. So yeah. I have like a little comic section there. Um, like artists that I admire, uh, there's like definitely a lot through those comics and comics in general that deal with the horror writing style and narrative and, and, and stuff like that, which those deal, uh, they're kind of melodrama dealing with death. Um, I have like the books of poetry over here, like Stephen Rogenbach. I, I love reading his stuff. Um, and he's just like hilarious and his like writing just gets me all excited. He's super fun to read. And alternatively to that, I would say Holly Child's Danglands, like that book does the same for me, the way I'm reading it. It's like so in the context of how I read online and, and the way my brain reads on, on the screen. So those books both really excite me in that way. Um, Steve writes about clowns a lot too, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of clowns. He he brings them up a lot too, um, which is like I was like, oh Steve, when I asked him to be in the show, I was like, I'm putting a clown painting in. You gotta be in the show. Um, other 
Favorite books. Well, there's also, I mean, you picked a lot of books, right? Like, there's. Yeah. It would take a long time to read through. Well, this actually, show. it takes, like, about three hours. Yeah. Because John and Meredith tested it out for me. Yeah. They came and they read them. <laughs> and they were here for you guys. Well, you did half and half, so it was about, like, two hours. You got. Because, like, that, that's the thing. I yeah. didn't want to have anything that was over, like, 150 pages. And, like, like no like novels or something like that like everything and comic books are are very easy to read um, yeah. they're very digestible um, which is insane because the medium takes so long to, to uh, so there's a large aspect, like you were thinking of how much someone I, I was thinking of like how much like I wanted you to at least leave this room to have an, an intimate experience with at least like two books and it's totally it's totally possible to do that yeah. you could be here in like 20 yeah. minutes and yeah. um, find yourself like being totally in love with like an author or something. Mm -hmm. So no, you can. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. It's good conflict. It's quiet, but good conflict. It's okay. okay. I, have, so, I am. Because I mean, like these person. are these are much more charged for me than like a lot of what I've read in the books, or maybe the way I come to them in the books. I mean, the, repurposing. Columbine and John Wayne Gacy is old to me. Oh, yeah. I never get, I mean, Mike Kelly's a favorite, favorite artist because I never get over it the way I sort of feel with a lot of his willingness to sort of adopt certain mm -hmm. sort of tropes. Yeah. And then there's a generosity to books, funny enough, which is trying to figure out what these do to the generosity of the books. I mean, subject matter so, connects, but like they're... The subject matter, you're saying yeah. the subject matter connects. Or yes. It does yeah. connect. Yeah. Okay. But you're conflicted. I'm not conflicted, but like there's. It's tough to take John Wayne Gacy, right? Like I mean, it's like. Oh yeah, it's hard. You know, yeah. Um, he's, he's this. Like I don't want to equivalent him with. Book sharing. With book sharing. <laughs> like, well, you know, like there is a, there is a, yeah. there's a totally different, but you're asking there's, me to adopt. Well, and the thing, and like, there's a very, there's like a dark humor with that, like, yeah. which is definitely, if, well, to reference even, like, I have the Sunnydale yearbook from mm -hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which is a, a lot about mixing the genre of horror yeah. and comedy together to a really disturbing level. Like they talk about in that show, oh yeah. They talk about in that show, there's like references to domestic violence, mm -hmm. rape, like all kinds of really disturbing things and they use it within a comedic um, framework, which is still not easy to totally swallow and kind of conflicting. But um, it's something, It's I'm interested in that um, medium because I'm interested in that, um, but go ahead. No, But you don't want to think about it. No, no, no. It's not about not wanting to think about it. It's just like for me, it's like, yeah. What am I doing? Who's uh, right. You're doing just fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking like the way. But like, there's a Buffy alluded to all those things, but uh -huh. in a charged way, but not in like. You sort of haven't alluded to John Wayne Gacy in a charged way. I haven't. But he can't help but be charged as a subject, which is sort of yeah, different. Yeah. Which is different. Yeah, you know, like it's adopting a. Uh -huh. It's like, I mean, I actually remember in the Midwest there were a lot of really poor taste 
I won't tell any of my Jeffrey Dahmer jokes mm-hmm. that circulated as soon as he was. Yeah, like, oh, there is some yeah. Ted Bundy. There was there was yeah. a lot oh, of like sick jokes about yeah. him. So, he was on the run. There were T-shirts, yeah. campaigns, and everything. Yeah, it's like that's different mm-hmm. than the way Buffy like actually gets into these materials and sort of mixes and scrambles some of the colds in order to get you actually invested in thinking about mm-hmm. relationship to things like adopting mm-hmm. that as a I don't know, as a sign of something is a very different. Um, very okay. Different, I don't know. I don't know. But I think like, there's more of an, like, what to it? Like, how is it different to you? Hmm. <laughs> Are you saying it's more like a cheap thrill? Are you saying it's more like a cheap thrill? No, I don't know. I don't want to go, like, say, like, cheap thrill, but, like, there's a different, like, there's a different, um, it's like, if I take Buffy lightheartedly, I haven't done any disrespect or something to material. Like if I sort of, um, both you as a maker and me as a viewer, if I sort of throw my wrist to a copy of a John Wayne Gacy painting, uh-huh. I've sort of swiped away like something with very real sort of markers and very real still, still living ghosts and wounds that are sort of Better. Yeah, but it's also that's also so a very real part of our history and our it culture. Is. So, but that's what I mean. Like, it's, it's a like, very different gesture to right? like ignore it and and to like not make a comment about it. Like I, you know, wouldn't. Like you know, I'm interested yeah. in that history. I'm interested yeah. in that, and so. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. So the this quilt, you made that quilt. Yeah. And that's not as. Oh, I didn't make that quilt. Okay. No. So where did Sorry. this? Darby Photos made that quilt. <laughs> so how did that give me the the workflow of getting to this object? Um. Well, so I wanted a um, tapestry in the room, and um, I basically, you know, went looking for art that would like work as a tapestry there. And I, I came across that work through a friend. And like it was just total happenstance. And I was, yeah. But you made this. But I made this. Okay. So I'm just interested in, I mean, they're on the opposite sides of the room. Yeah. They're part of different vernaculars, the vernacular of quilting and Sunday painting, or whatever we're going to call what he thought he was doing. And just interested in the attitude that each of them have to the events that we are we get from the painting mm-hmm. to the murder to you know indexically to the murders committed by the man who made the marks. On. Yeah. And here it's different, right? So you're presenting us with an object that's uh-huh. a facsimile, but purports to take us to to his hand in some sense. Uh-huh. Whereas this, we get there through this whole series of mediations to Columbine through a photograph, I will assume, mm-hmm. to um, something made in fabric. And so I'm wondering you know, about, and maybe this is, Anthony, what you're also getting at, the attitude towards the, the horror that, that is right. It's not a David Lynch, it's not a Lynchian mm-hmm. kind of attitude because it's not um, the bloody finger we're gonna find in the lawn. Mm-hmm. Where you know under any surface there's going to be the residue of corpse. Yeah. Here it's a very different attitude, and it's not quite comedic, mm-hmm. but it is flat. 
Yeah. And I'm just interested in that, how you would characterize that flatness. Well, another like thing I'm audience. interested in is like how the uh, art market is exploited through like, for instance, people collecting John Wayne Gacy's artwork and like how is that popular like and how people how like uh, murderers or serial killers like make money from their work that do that. So there's kind of like an exploitation like thing going on there, but um well, you know, to people like John Wayne Gacy there's no love since I've actually worked with prisoners uh -huh. shows. There's yeah. a lot of rules now that you are not allowed to make money off your work. Yeah. If you start he doesn't get any money, the money goes actually to like which is like a yeah, and he was like one of the artists, or like <laughs> the money going to other people that he's making off of selling things, and it's going to victims and going to the prison system as opposed to him. Which not that he should be getting rich, but then no, right. he he shouldn't. But I'm I'm but saying, but he, that market was, was created by yes. like demand from people collecting the work. Yeah, and and like so, and there's well, before like, that they were buying pictures of the like the black. Mariah, you know, like all the other yeah. sort of so. Well, and then also, like, I deal with that kind of, like, ickiness, too, because I read true crime novels a lot, and there's a lot of issues with the victim's families, yeah. and yeah. because um, because all that information is actually, like, court transcripts and everything mm -hmm. that is shared within the books that you're reading, it's totally open to the public. And, yeah. um, and you know, I have, like, an interest in it um, as, like, you know, part like the horrifying aspect of it, but also just the um, historical kind of like background and our culture and like what that means, like that this type of murder happens then or, or you know, things like that, uh, of that nature. But um, yeah, and there's like issues with the victim's families and like the idea of exploitation and um, that uncomfortable icky, matter with that so but you know um damn okay you didn't get to the prozac clock <laughs> yeah well uh <laughs> that's the right three that. <laughs> uh, do we ever get to the everyone knows about the prozac clock prozac oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yes. Yeah, well, and then it's, also the Prexa is, is a antipsychotic actually yeah. for people with schizophrenia. So. That's a found. No. Well, I found it. I, I. It was on a documentary that I was watching, and I tried to buy it in real life, but it doesn't exist anymore. So I took the screenshot and recreated it, and then made the plot. Yeah. What was the documentary? Um, it was a documentary on anorexia, and um, and people, and it was this, it was in the psychiatrist's um, office. Of course. One would hope. So if you guys need like a little home. therapy session with me after this talk, good luck. We got the church. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Um, did anyone have any other questions, I guess, or...? I'd be interested in hearing a little bit about what I perceive as the kitsch aspect to it, uh -huh. and your take on kitsch, and the use of kitschness. Um, 
Well, I guess my take on kitsch would be more of like a cultural perception of it. Um, like as you were like pointing to the window over there, like the ornate frames in contrast to the um, cosplay, which is of a lower class like identity with a higher class identity. So I'm De I'm dealing with a cultural perspective there in terms of like kitsch um, and like the clown painting is also uh, a call to you know crappy you know bad paintings like thrift store paintings that people do actually you know appreciate um, and clowns in general and a clown painting in general um, and yeah Okay. Okay. Cool. I would say it's really kitschy though. What's that? Feels more dead in this space than kitsch. Kitsch usually has like some sort of carnivalesque. Yeah, I mean, I. I uh, okay. There's kind of a not a bad dead. Yeah. This isn't. The kinds of kitsch or like that quilt. Yeah. No. There's like not moving rainbows and stuff it's like that. It's not a. Or not light up. up. It's not. Yeah. There's no waterfalls. Yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah. It's I was Prozac kitsch. Yeah, it's yeah, it's Prozac kitsch. That's a great way to say that. <laughs> well, it's also I feel sorry like the yeah. well, like the when you're really inflating these like these dolls right in the Prozac clock. Mm -hmm. uh, they inflated. Or no, they're uh, beaming. No, in like when you're smushing them together, these like ideas where the horror that's implicit in the sort of John Casey mm -hmm. painting, right, is the yeah. sort of horror that's implicit in these stuffed animals, right? But in the sort of way that John Casey's so horror, creating, what's that? Recycling. Well, with John Wayne Gacy. Yes, exactly. Because well, they, you got you, <laughs> the other thing too. You have to realize when we're so over <laughs> we're so over stimulated in our culture in some ways. So, like in that way, yes. They're masquerading as things. Oh, that's where the horror comes from. It's like John Wayne Gacy is someone who's a clown who's trying to. Uh, bring pleasure and happiness, but is actually going to bring you horror, right? Mm -hmm. These stuffed animals, right, are going to bring you happiness and uh, fun, but they're actually just trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. And so I think those sort of horror levels, that is the, what's what I'm finding like really like resonates really creepily, right? It's Why like, are you selling something horror? What's that? Because it's, it's something that's pretending not to be what it just actually is. Yeah, like right? this is like this is scrappy. I actually don't think this is pretending to be anything other than a sales tool. Yeah, it's a recycling campaign. But the scrap this is for Mexican food. I don't this think is scrubbing are... bubbles is yeah. can yeah. probably cause cancer. I mean, this is really like I don't. Think this is for a, a dead job market website. Yeah. <laughs> Monster.com. Amtrak. <laughs> Oh you knew that the track was going to be the worst. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't think they're pretending to be. You know, Actually, I don't the, noise, the noise never scared you? The noise scares me. The noise scares, scares me. But like, I, I never watch the noise and think there's no horror attached because I'm not confused that it's trying to sell me pizza. But just, just the fact that I don't eat pizzas. It doesn't like it's really innocent. I mean, this is a right. You invite a clown to a kid's 
party and yeah. the kids are drunk. So there's that level of innocence that gets struck away when you find out what's really at the core. So if I could tell my daughter, well, actually, that's, you know, to convince you to clean your bathtub. But she'll, there's a certain level of enjoyment. Like, kids love to clown. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trashing the use. I'm not trashing the use in here. Like maybe I'm just too cynical or something. But I guess I'm. Or is it like this is just is this is heart wash. This is like I mean I'm not. I feel. I mean I do. I do think advertising <laughs> is evil. Yeah. So well, I don't. I don't agree with you there. Me, I, think, I, I don't necessarily think. I'm not saying advertising is. There's not some evil, but like, yeah, yeah. you're aware of it. I'm aware of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm aware of serial killers, but in a different yeah. way than I'm aware of advertising. And advertising is not instilling me with any sort of horror. I mean, like this is this is what I this is what I have to walk past to get home. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, not walking past John Well, the odds of that happening are. So well, in my neighborhood, probably pretty hard. But that's what I'm saying, is that, like, the conflation, like, with the John Wayne Gacy, like, that's how I, like, they don't, these aren't necessarily in themselves terrifying, but when put in the context with this painting and with the Columbine, mm -hmm. they, they can, but does seem to be the art. I think that's, yeah. I don't know, I don't, what are you saying? I guess I think it's about the similarities in between the stuffed animal and the painting, as mm -hmm. much as the, it's about the, like, stance that this, represents that the reading room with the 90s plastic chairs, right? Mm -hmm. The stance that maybe I can deeply identify with, so it's hard to explain, because I grew up in that era, when like mm -hmm. our era was all about developing a stance towards John Wayne Gacy advertising that's trying to like sell you something but wants you to play with it at the same time, yeah. you know? And so like then the texts are sort of all coming out of different approaches, like different ways of approaching that culture without just like giving in and being like, yeah, John Wayne Gacy, so awesome, right? Yeah. Or like, you know, but with also out ignoring it or just being like, I'm so shocked you put a John Wayne Gacy in a yeah. picture of, right? There's yeah. like so much movement within there. I feel like that's what it, this is about, is the stance, not about the similarity yeah. between the Norman mm -hmm. and the John There Gacy. actually, there was an episode about Columbine too and Buffy, yeah. by the way, so. Yeah. When did you graduate from high school? 1999, the same year as Buffy. Okay. 
define it as a personal responsibility. Yeah, I guess in this terms, like, responsibility for one's guilt. Your own guilt. Oh, um, so where's the guilt? Well, we're all guilty. <laughs> I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm, literally, it's like a, it's a literal question. I want, like, because I was interrupted. I mean, I, I'm always interested. Not like, help me. Existentialism isn't a word I want to connect it to here. Like, it's not a, I don't see it. Existentialism, I feel, is a sort of like lone, like a sort of cleavedness, a sort of, you know, weight to an actions, and I don't, and I, there's a lot happening in a lot of these works and all of these images, but I don't have that, that border weight. Okay, so I think we're all, coming, we're all coming with that weight with us. Hmm. So this is just more like where you're coming from, and yeah. less about the work. I don't mean less about the work, like, it's less about like the work as a show and this explanation of the piece. Yeah, maybe more or motivation. Okay. Maybe more motivation. Okay. So how does that motivate, hmm, how does that motivate the choices of the photos? Um, well, in, it's hard to say specifically for each one, but maybe overall, like, yeah. the choice of trying to describe a sort of mood or feeling or finding oneself. So you're, so you're looking for images that speak, speak to you. Finding oneself. Depictions of finding oneself or images where you find yourself. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, all the pictures function as metaphors. They're not actually what they are. So the pictures are, like for, for me, like most of the time calling attention to something that's not actually imaged, that's not currently in the frame. And is there like an overarching metaphor, or is the metaphor distinct? To the well, like, like guilty pleasures at the title, like would yeah. be like, like a way of kind of like finding pleasure or the guilt associated with one trying to find comfort. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Stop. Okay. Maybe this is a problem. Like that. I mean, I don't mean a problem like in a bad way. Like, but like, I know. I've never agreed with the term guilty pleasures. Yeah? Okay. I mean, take the pleasure or take the guilt, but why mix the two? Yeah. I'm not interested in mixing the two. I do one or the other. Yeah. My days are probably good or bad, depending on which one I've been involved in. Yeah, that. so what's a guilty day look like? Yeah. Versus a pleasure day. For, oh, for me? Mm -hmm. Damn. If I've listened to more than 10 records in a day, chances are it's a pleasure day. That's pretty good. It's yeah. Good if I've walked half an hour to work, there's probably some guilt involved. Yeah? Yeah. So okay. There, there we've got a, that's a blanket definition. All right, let's start okay. there. We'll start there. But it's not, I don't mix the two. I do mix the two. I, you don't want to. I slept. I go home and then stay up late so I can end the guilt. Okay. Um, I'm still, so, huh. So guilty pleasure. So like these, so guilty pleasures. I mean, yeah, it's like something you feel bad about liking. Something. Well, I want you to feel bad about liking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Thanks a lot. Well, I mean, like, even like take Boo over here. Like, why should I feel guilty about liking Boo? Because it's kind of easy to like Boo. <laughs> Some of the easiest things to like are the best things. True, but when you want to like like something a little harder, maybe. <laughs> I mean, didn't that walk? No. Why? Why? I can look a lot of things. All right. That's not your list. I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to get, so, is that why Boo's the largest of the photos? No, I just wanted something that would, like, be easily digestible and something that would be inviting, because I want to welcome you to this world. You got a table of chairs. That's welcoming. That's true. That's for a purpose, though. It is for a purpose. Does yeah. that purpose ever happen? Yeah. Yeah, it can happen. Does it do have anyone that can read tarot? I mean, can, but I'm not saying it can it happen. Obviously, a tarot deck is always possible to be. It's always possible, but I'm inviting you to have your cards read or read someone's cards. And how did you make your images and those cards sync up? Is that a very are those metaphors direct or are these metaphors? No, they're they, uh, no, they're they're direct linkages. Okay, maybe you should. Explain one or two, just as an example. Uh, I'm not that expert. I have my, have my cheat book, but it, it follows <laughs> the book. It follows like current or past kind of literature relating to the definitions of the cards and the images. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I'm okay. sadly not as expert as I would like to be. But I designed it. I didn't really necessarily read with it. Well, so then maybe you could just pick one card or one image and say why that image went to that card. Just for like a uh, like a per se? Uh, yeah, like a per se, just to get something fresh. Per se. Um, all right, so the, card, the, card, card. The, card, the card that's up is a, a judgment. That's okay. the one card I'm seeing right in front of the table. Uh-huh. So that one? Yeah. Okay. So the idea of like being branded with judgment or like thinking about, I don't know, I need my little book. I'm really not a super expert. I guess for me, the idea of making the cards was an alternative way of editing. So it's more, for me, in my art practice, it was more about that than the actual final practicing of reading the cards. So using the tarot as an excuse, figuring out which images to select. Yeah, or just a different way of kind of understanding or navigating the images. So then what happens to the images if someone, an expert comes along and uses your images? I think they'll be impressed. What do, what do they do? Yeah. Uh, how they for pizza? You don't eat pizza. I don't eat pizza, but I can carry it home. Okay, that's fair. I can arrange that. <laughs> no, I mean, like, is that a different use function? Like that happens with that piece? Oh, that's just because that's also functional. I, well, it's not now. It's not very functional. But there's more of them in the office. I saw them. A few, but those are yeah. already taken. Yeah. Could be yeah. used. It's true, but they're not available to use. Oh, they're it's a frustrating path. Yeah. Frustrating. All right, sorry. See, it's still functional. Yes. You've designed something to be functional. It, it could be used. It's a book holder. Yes. Yes. So, such an interesting metaphors is the metaphor of using that different from yes. the metaphor that happens to the tarot? Yeah, like, like that you would consume the book that's in a container for consumption. Okay. okay. So that seems like a more maybe. Also, I edited all the pizza out of the book. There was pizza in the book, and there's no longer pizza in it, so I wanted to at least have a call back to the pizza All the pizza no in the book. Yes. All the pizzas you've loved before. Okay. 
At the frames, guilty pleasures? Is that? They are. They're really ugly and gaudy. Are they ugly? I think so. They're kind of gaudy and in your face, and I want them to have like a domestic kind of constellation. Hmm. Like salon style ish. It's salon style ish. I wouldn't go so far as to go domestic. I wouldn't go so far. Unless your domesticity was an art gallery. Yeah? Yeah. I kind of don't. I don't know. So, hmm, hmm. I mean, the frames are pretty tasteful. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I mean, they're gaudy, but like, I don't have any frames like that at home. I don't choose those frames. But I mean, like, if you didn't. I mean, if you want a gaudy frame, right? Yeah. Like, I know some people. Yeah. All right. You can get some gold leaf. You can get some fake jewels. We can get okay. some. These were open there. Before it's breaking. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You turn right. them down to look at very art. Okay. Nice. All right. All right. This is. It's not so, you know, you're trying to get some pleasure in there rather than the guilt. Alright, I don't separate the two. Yeah, I guess I, don't, I still don't separate the two. <laughs> okay, I don't know. But it's also supposed to reference the book, like it's spread in the book. Yeah, I got that. That part I got. That okay. part I got. Pretty. That's a metaphor I got. I'm trying to figure out what I would do. So, the metaphor of the dish. Or why should I read that as a metaphor? Or what, uh, why, you know, why? I mean, I guess I walked into this, you know, Guilty Pleasures is a collection of images that seem to be documenting things as they unfold. Um, I guess I'm not... Hmm. I speak very metaphorically often, or I write metaphorically, but I don't think that. So, um, I wonder, is the metaphor in, in the frame? I mean, obviously the metaphor is that you're, you're going to say it's in the image. I know you're going to say it's in that part. But is the metaphor, is the way that I get to the metaphor because I'm going through the frame and a frame that I'm supposed to read as an inappropriate frame for that image? Is that supposed to get me to the space of the metaphor? I'm not sure. I don't guess I don't see it as inappropriate. Or I don't know. You just kind of said the frames were... Oh, oh the frame. Okay, yeah. sorry. I'm thinking the frame of the image. Sorry, not the yeah, frame I'm of sorry, the frame. Yeah, um, I guess the frames are just more... Like... Decorative. Not, I guess I don't see the the frame leading to how it would shape how you would see the image. It just seems like a container, like a pizza box. It's kind of like a pizza box. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, isn't it important to know that the basis for all this work is? From your experience in graduate school? Yeah, it took place where I started the project when I was in graduate school. That certainly can be seen as an existential experience. Yeah, I think kind of like being really like in this luxurious piece of time that you're kind of self-centered and able to kind of focus on yourself. I think like winter also leads one to an existential sort of kind of questioning or find yourself or looking for comfort. Like, like you're kind of kind of get more, more withdrawn, more like into your own psyche? I'm the opposite. Yeah? Winter's when I'm the only time I'm alive. Really? Yeah. Because of the summer, yeah, the yeah. summer stuff sucks. I'm going with that. Okay. Huh. I don't, I mean, I guess I'm, yeah. <laughs> this, there's a lot of conflicting gestures here. Yeah? Like doing this to the images, does away with like the editing of that, and then turning. Well, these are footnotes for the book. 
Yeah, I know. But but it's a, it's a different, I mean, so I deal with them in the book as a tactile thing. Here there's sort of like a selection that you pull aside. But then I get to sort of I want a few of them here. Mm. The tarot card would seem to imply a sort of spiritualism reading, like some sort of like you know, like looking for meaning through things. You, if you know the code, you know the code. If you don't, you don't. Blah blah blah. The pizza box then, but then sort of turns these things all into logos, kind of in a way that seems to fight against sort of reading the metaphor as a, like an important part of a. Life? I want the pizza box as like a leftover, like kind of like a party happened, and it's just like sort of like a trace or something uh -huh. I leave behind. If it's leaving behind before I, I guess, before I've gotten mm. through, like so it's a weird, it's a weird pun. Like there's a different, there's a grab bag for me, like in a, in a, of the way, and so like I can't. The images do something, but I, mean, I, I don't get to metaphor, and maybe I don't get to metaphor because of the. When I say frames, I mean the frames, like the pizza box, the frame, mm. the book. Maybe the closest I get to getting into a metaphoric use of the images is if I sort of pretend to pay attention just to the book. Yeah, I mean, the book's and also sort of let the other, container the other stuff sort of. They're all containers, right? Yeah. It's the one that seems to hold, to make the images have a life together that seems to point to a life that has a consequence in the world that, you know, the frames are sort of fighting, sort of fighting in an oblique, sort of polite way, and sort of keeping, it's like, these become images, these become like images that aren't necessarily connected to a life, like they're just documents, but they're not metaphors for me either, because I've been asked to sort of take them with a wink, maybe. Okay, yeah, there's a little... Can't be flavor sprinkle on, maybe. Okay. Okay. Huh. Like I think it's supposed to be humorous. Like it's supposed to like have a certain kind of joy. In existentialism. Yeah. Okay. Like you're supposed to question yourself, but also like kind of take joy in it. Probably not going to know where you're going. Okay. Okay. Um, hmm. So how do I question myself? I don't know. It's, it's up to you. Well, I mean, you set yeah. this up. If you set this up for me to question myself, I'm curious, like, where, where you want me to question myself? Maybe like you place yourself or thinking about it, like, like thinking about the kind of story or narrative you might have. You place your own kind of story or narrative onto it. I, I don't know. I do that in, I mean, I do that in Beth's room, too. Yeah. I do that in... That's true, yeah. I do that in, so, but I guess the, the story... So I'm guessing that that's important to you. Yeah, like, I guess I'm wondering like, where I get that. Or where the weight is on me. To do that? To do that, yeah. Because it seems like you're asking me to take some weight on. I don't know. I, Even if it's humorous weight, I mean, if, sure. if you've got guilty pleasures, if you've got, like, these slang notes, like, you're wanting me to have some sort of... I want you to have some sort of experience, right? Some sort of joy. Like, I want the images to be pleasurable to you. But then you said you also want me to not take too much pleasure in this because it's too easy to like. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, you know, something to think oh, about. Just, yeah. Okay. Huh. But I do want to please you with the images. The images are intentionally pleasing. Intentionally pleasing. 
Okay. So you edited out anything that you thought wasn't. I mean, I err on the side of like beautiful and got rid of the cute. There's a lot I could do with that statement. Maybe I'll just let that go. <laughs> Guilty with cuteness, too. That's a terrible thing to be guilty of. Oh. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like cuteness, yeah. But you have to kind of machete through a lot of cute to get to, to find what's really beautiful. Cute's pretty easy. That's, I can rank cute on all you, but if you have something really beautiful, you gotta, like, you gotta slaughter a lot of cute. You gotta, like, kill it. <laughs> um. Maybe I should not walk home by your house. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, well, you think cute's easy. Cute is easy. I have a question, Jay. Uh, so I, uh, we were talking about like the frames, right? And, like all these these images have a bunch of vehicles that are being distributed. Yeah. And for me, like the images sort of just like disappear. Like a sort of they don't they seem less important with the. the the vehicles in which you're distributing them seems like the main sort of character mm. in the show. I'm wondering if you could talk about mm -hmm. uh, what, how those decisions were made, decide what sort of vehicles these would be in, and then adding on to that, if the, because I mean, we did a Kickstarter to help get the show here, right? In a certain way, like I, and I, some of these items were actual uh, rewards in the sure. Kickstarter, and I want to maybe talk about there's some sort of like connection to commerce and sort of like branding that these objects sort of bring to it. I feel like that this whole project has been had like a very specific like brand vehicle sort of yeah. vibe to it. I guess the only thing that's present that you could get or could have gotten on Kickstarter would be the book. So everything here is just to support the book. So like in terms of like vehicles or branding. Why does the book need support? Oh, um, exactly. <laughs> well, because it's a discrete object. I think like having a, a whole show with a book, it's kind of hard. So like you need to have other things to kind of it's frame. Hard. Well, it's not quiet. I mean, like I think a book would wouldn't need a show. No, but there's been lots of shows that aren't books. True. Yeah, but I feel like. I mean, it's pretty small, it doesn't take up much space, and it's a really personal experience. Like, mm, which I would say might... That's alright. Yeah, it's alright. I mean, I'm, maybe that would make me actually think through a weight of myself if I'm in the space and not... It's not a pressure valve letting it off, like... Three... Three plants, three books one person at a time, or people have to choose to share, so you have to either choose to share with a stranger, or sort of hog it for yourself and decide how long you're going to read it. I mean, like, that starts to, I mean, I guess that's where I'm wondering, like, yeah, does the book need support? I mean, maybe, and I'm not saying that to, like, get rid of everything you've done in the room, but I'm like, maybe these are different things, and maybe the book yeah, didn't need support. It's the only time it'll be like this, so it won't be like this again. So, 
I'm going to say something really old-fashioned, um, and I don't mean it, but I'm just going to try it out. Like, I am don't really, say something you don't mean. Uh, no, I love doing that. I love, <laughs> I love framing something I'm about to say that way so I'm relatively safe. <laughs> there we go. So here's the old-fashioned thing. I'm much more interested in you as a photographer than I am as someone who is investigating okay. the packaging. Sure. And the the framing up um, gestures, whether it's the sure. the frames on the wall and the, the way the corner is being made to work, the tarot cards, or um, we talk about the book as as delivery, as deliverable. So as a photographer, what's inadequate about your description of this photograph is that you're not just giving us the cap, right? And that's would be the cute gesture. And so I'm intrigued by the difference between the cute and the beautiful, because what would destroy the cute here is the is the white on white, right? Mm. I mean. Whether it works or not is a different question, but when I see the white on white, I know that you're interested in something more than simply the photograph as being um, uh, confused with the referent. Okay. It's like, you're not just giving me the photograph as, as, a, as a transparent medium through which the cat is simply there. You're doing this white on white, which has its formal characteristics that photog where photography as media matters. And I think that's true in almost everything you have here. The object, I could easily close my eyes and enumerate the objects that are in the photographs that I'm seeing, but that wouldn't exhaust or even come close to um, capturing the way that you are seeing those objects. You are, the, for example, they are typically flattened against some other um, formally complicated color and shape. They are, there's no horizon. Those objects are some, mostly cut off on, on one side, um, so they're anchored in a way. So, just going, this is the old-fashioned part, just going at you as a straight photographer, I think already is really interesting. And so I'm interested, I, I then become more interested in the hinge between the straight photography that clearly is inspiring a lot of your, sure. your educated your eye, and this, the, the other dramatics that are here, the staging of those um, formally beautiful, because not cute, um, photographs with books, frames, clips, Sure. Tables and rugs. So, how would you characterize that relationship between Jay, the straight photographer, and Jay, someone who's interested in the drama of presentation? Okay. Yeah, I guess like for me, like the pure photograph is really what I'm most interested in. So, like that's my my background, and I think it's so easy that I need to make it more difficult, and that. Like having for me, it's like a challenge. Like making the tarot deck is a challenge of like navigating images in a different way, or re-editing them in a different way, and I think changing the kind of context, or kind of playing with like making them kind of physical in a different way to have a different read, to kind of play with that kind of line. But I think for me, that is a way of making it more like problematizing it, like making it so I can kind of tackle it in a different way or see the images in a different way and kind of employ them in a different way, like to let them, like in the book, they're speaking in the way that I'm thinking about them, like sequence and those other kind of tools that I can kind of do and kind of keeping the design of that as simple as possible. And I'm thinking about the room design and thinking about how I want like a viewer to kind of encounter this space. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm having a hard time like, like if it's if you want me to talk about like how me as the photographer it's like separated from why do you think it's too straight photography too easy because that you seem to hinge the need to work through in interesting ways work through the the vocabulary presentation because something about 
the photographs themselves, whatever that might mean, is too easy. It's too easy to simply give you a photograph. And I want to make you, us, work. It's only the play. Like, or like, like the tarot cards is a way of playing or interacting more. Like the book would be a way of kind of slowing you down. Kind of like, like seeing what happens with the images, kind of a mass. A mass? A, a mass, like mass. they kind of build on each other. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not answering your question very well. That's helpful. I thought it was an addendum to what John said. The way you define the guilty pleasure was that it was too easy. So I feel like your photographs are your guilty pleasure. That's right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is, so this is your Stop your way to try and overcome your own guilty pleasure. Yeah, like I wanted to take a picture that was like very pleasing and kind of like something that maybe you shouldn't do. Like kind of because it's stupid. What shouldn't you do? But what, what is this? Yeah. Maybe it's like so being, maybe it's like trying to lose a self-consciousness by being self-conscious. Okay. Photography is not easy. Do you yeah. spend any time on the internet? Just thinking about the internet? Yeah, I like the internet. Yeah. <laughs> photography is not easy. You can spend hours seeing how bad it is. Hard photography is. But I think it's, it's easy. I mean, it's pretty democratic at this point. A lot of people can do it. Wait, anybody can do it. I mean, I like anybody, I can walk down the street. Walking is actually not I've also spent like a lot of I've also spent like decades practicing it. Like, it's like, no one does that. that. Yeah. Like, um, I think you're, the, the weird way that you're at war with yourself here is really helpful, I think, for all of us. But I also want, like Anthony started, like guilt? What? Huh? Just just work. Just, yeah, I think it's more philosophical guilt. I am, I understand. Some people, people are better at taking pictures. Uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> He's pretty good. Yeah. He's really good. I don't spend a lot of time looking at a lot of <laughs> photographs that are out there. That's, you know. Yeah, they're not that good. Most of the time. <laughs> I, think like, I think there's a lot of framing that happens within a photograph if you want me to read into the photograph, which I think you do, and that I don't know frame, that's a totally different gesture than this. So then I sort of don't see the photographs at all. I pretty much see the frame. Okay, that's the problem. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean that as a, to present that as like a, a, a failure or something, but I do want to present that as a a complication of, then I have to wonder why this has, you know, what's become sort of like, the nice large gallery way to show photography. This has become something that's kind of hedging the bet and then making me want to know if I'm supposed to be laughing at that bedspread or if I actually like that bedspread because um, the frame is asking me to not quite take it directly as a bedspread that someone might actually have on their own bed. That's good. And then this, you know, asks me to like read into like an otherworldliness of the photo, but the photos are also on the other side of the tarot deck, so like they're the decoration, they're like the, I like that. They're like the decoration, you know, on the wall of the tarot deck, less than they are the exact content of the tarot deck. Okay. So suddenly, you know, I'm being misdirected a thousand times. It might be a small space. Yeah, it might be. You might. I wanted just a different avenue of kind of a tactile experience with your eyes. So like. Like having a tactile experience, having a tactile experience, tactile experience. So a way of kind of like navigating with your, with your eyes touching things. Like the proximity of all the photographs are very compressed, like you were saying, in space. Like they're all within arms. 
left. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing that's far. No, there's like the world is black. Yeah. All right, you made it. It's the end, the end of, of this gallery talk, this um, podcast for today. Uh, so thank you for tuning in, and I promise, I promise that I will get um, the other two more up before Sunday the 25th. I'm going to go through the archives. I'm going to find some Aaron Murray conversations and some Gabriel Boyce conversations. And I don't know if you recognize the voice at all, but I'm Beth Heinley. So thank you so much for listening. And also, I want to say I hope you enjoy the rest of your day or evening, whatever time period that you're in, and uh, and you just finish tuning into this podcast, that everything that happens afterwards is, is good for you. Okay, thanks. If I should leave you Try to remember the good times Warm days filled with sunshine And just a little bit of rain And just a little bit of rain And if you look back Try to forget the bad times Lonely blue and sad times And just a little bit of rain And just a little bit of rain And if I look back I will remember all the good times Warm days filled with sunshine And just a little bit of rain And just a little bit of rain